Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam, and I'm your host, Tariq El Amin. For those of you who are new to Radio Islam, we welcome you. Thanks for joining us. We are a live call in talk show broadcasting from Chicago on WCEV 1450 AM. And you can hear our live stream at www.wcev1450.com or listen to us on the TuneIn app at WCEV. That is uh, a new little wrinkle we've thrown in for you. If you haven't already done so, keep up with us on social media by following and liking us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. If you have a comment or question you'd like to pose throughout the course of tonight's show, well, you're going to have to wait because tonight's show is pre-recorded. Generally, you can call us at 312-750-1178, but instead, why don't you send us a tweet or post on our Facebook page or just inbox us. Uh, Now, well, before I jump into everything, I'm going to say hopefully everybody is doing well. You're feeling you're in good spirits and uh, you had a great weekend. Uh, I will start off with this uh, because we're doing something which is a bit special tonight Uh, and I'll preface it with this first of all there's nothing new or particularly special about candidate forms local state or federal but this past Saturday's gubernatorial candidate forum held at the Mecca Center in Willowbrook Illinois was a first this forum marked the first time in Illinois history that a Muslim organization was the sole sponsor and the CIOGC was that sponsoring organization. That's the Council of Islamic Organizations of Greater Chicago, uh, which is a federation of over 60 organizations representing a Chicagoland Muslim community in excess of 400,000. The candidates in attendance were Illinois State Senator Daniel Biss, Executive Director of Ceasefire Violence Interrupters T.O. Hardiman, and the former president of the Merchandise Mart Properties, uh, as well as the former chair of the Board of Trustees for the University of Illinois, Chris Kennedy. So, that being said, uh, the forum began with opening remarks by CIOGC Executive Director Abdullah Mitchell uh, and was moderated by Vice Chair of CIOGC Civic Engagement Committee, Humaira Bassett. What does that mean? That means every vote counts. Properly elected every four years by a majority, and there are no term limits, so they can be re-elected over and over again. So today is your opportunity, audience, to hear from the candidates, from some of the candidates, about the issues that affect all aspects of our everyday life. Candidates, this is your opportunity to get to know us. And Brother Abdullah articulated very well, and I don't need to repeat his words, that the Muslim community of Illinois is a part of every sector of the state, and we are represented in every profession, in every um, segment of the society that you will encounter. We are roughly about 400,000 strong across the state of Illinois. Voter registration numbers are going up every single year. And as you know, if you recall uh, the 2010 election, Governor Quinn won by less than 32,000 votes. And in this last election, Governor Rauner's margin was a little bit bigger. He won by about 140,000 votes. Both of those numbers are within the capacity of this community to affect the election fully. 
We've been a part of America from its very inception. We have been your doctors, your lawyers, your teachers, small business owners. So a lot of the questions that you are asked by other communities are questions that affect our community as well. So we welcome you, and we look forward to hearing from you. We want to know how you plan to shape our state for the next four years, and how we will have a seat at your table as you do that. So the rules of the forum, audience. This is a candidate's forum. This is a question and answer session where the moderator will ask the questions. We asked for submissions for questions um, from the community and we received some and they will be um, asked by the designated audience members. Um, at the end of the forum, if candidates have time, we have about a half hour before the herd comes in. We can have um, some time with the candidates and if you have any um, things you'd like to ask, you can do so at that time. Um, but for our forum today, as our first forum, we'll ask the questions from the podium. Um, because we do not have a uh, voting record for uh, Mr. Kennedy or Mr. Hardiman, Senator Biss is the only elected official um, on our panel today, we have a little bit of extra time with you to understand um, what it is that motivates you to run for public office. So let's begin, um, Mr. Hardiman, with you. Also, I'm Tio Hardiman, running for governor. Uh, this is my second run for governor. I ran for governor back in 2014 and secured close to 30% uh, of the state vote. Uh, my running mate, her name is Patricia Avery. She's uh, a former county commissioner from Champaign-Urbana and a former head of the NAACP. I was raised a Muslim as well. I just want to say that I'm one of your brothers sitting up here today. And I'm one of the only candidates that stood up for the Palestinian people stood up against the Iraqi war, stood up on all these issues. Uh, uh, I'm a man of principle. I'm running to become the first minority governor of the state of Illinois. And I want to say this to you. I'll take that. I'll take that. And I'll say this as well. Um, if you were raised in the USA, and I got it wrong the other day on the uh, statewide debate, but if you were raised in the USA, I plan to make sure you stay. All right, if you were raised in the U.S., that's the doctor. I want to thank you. So, um, with that being said, you know we have a 2020 plan which represents a perfect vision to move the state of Illinois forward. Our plan includes supporting all of the different issues out here: the progressive tax, House Bill 453, which is the financial transaction tax, and we can use the new revenue to help you know economic development here in the state of Illinois. And I do support uh, you know uh, the state of Illinois as being a, a sanctuary state. That's very important, but when it comes down to issues in the Islamic community, I'm your brother, I've been there, I'm a former member of the Masjid over on Belmont and Roscoe, I used to go there when I was a little younger, and I've done a lot of work with Brother Rami, people know Brother Rami, just want to put it out there, but I've done extensive amounts of work in the Islamic community. Thank you, Brother Thank you, Mr. Hardiman. Hi, Senator Biss. Good morning. Good morning. Just so you're um, caught up, we've just begun. Um, we had our introduction by our executive director. Um, Mr. Hardiman had an opportunity to, um, to give his introductory remarks and talk about why he's running. So we'll have an opportunity for both of you in this forum. Most of the questions will be from the podium. There will be a few from the audience. You will each have two minutes time. Um, rebuttal, rebuttal paddles. 
you will each have two minutes time to answer the questions and you'll have an opportunity to rebuttal um, and we'll give you these paddles. So if you would like to exercise that option, if you would just flag me and, and uh, we'll give you a little bit of time to rebuttal as well. Um, so hopefully we won't need that because two minutes is pretty generous. So um, let me move to um, Mr. Kennedy. If you would please tell us why it is that you are running for public office. Well, first let me um, let me say how nice it is to be among all of you today. It, it was incredible to hear the uh, recital of the types of professions that are represented here because it reflects my own understanding. People I met when I first came in, and so many of you I've met over the course of the last year. Doctors and lawyers, scientists, researchers, engineers, first and second generation immigrants to the United States. It's so different than my own family's experience in coming to America. We weren't doctors. We weren't engineers. We arrived in Boston, 1840s and 1850s, after the Irish potato famine. When we arrived in the United States, the Irish Catholics were treated as dirty, as filthy, as ignorant, as unteachable, as subhuman, as a threat to society and a threat to the safety of the people who were already in the United States. They had these signs in Boston that said N-I-N-A over the service entrance of the restaurants and hotels. N-I-N-A said no Irish need apply. No Irish need apply for a job because we're not going to hire you. We were excluded from any sort of profession. Couldn't be a waitress or waiter, a busboy. Couldn't work in the hotels and restaurants. Definitely not in science or doctors, medical field, bankers, any of that. So we did what came naturally. We organized and had big families. We weren't afraid to go into the other neighborhoods, organize the Italians, the African Americans. And in doing that, we took over cities like Boston and Chicago, New York. And, and then... And then we created the union movement to provide our brothers and sisters and cousins with a safe work environment. And then we created the Democratic Party, took what it was and changed it to become the party of labor, the party of immigrants, the party that wanted to protect the American dream in the United States. That American dream is represented here today. You're <laughs> if you want to know what's best about this country, you want to know what's best about this country, all you have to do is look around this room. And I want to do for the rest of Illinois what you all have done for your own families. Thank you very much. Senator Biss. Uh, thank you very much and good morning. It's an, it's an honor to be here. Uh, and I'm sorry I was late uh, from a previous uh, event this morning. I'm Daniel Biss. I'm state senator in the Ninth District. I live in Evanston with uh, my wife Karen, our two children, Elliot and Theodore, who are in second and fourth grade. And we find ourselves in this very, very troubled moment in American history. We find ourselves in a time when there are completely reprehensible attacks on immigrant communities, on refugees, when Islamophobia is reigning when hate crimes are on the rise, and when very often it's not totally clear whose side our government is on. 
I'm running for governor because it's time for us to build a new political movement that lifts up people across the state of Illinois. I'm, time for, I'm running for governor because in this moment, with Donald Trump as our president and Bruce Rauner as our governor, we have a choice about what kind of politics we want to have, about what kind of Democratic Party we intend to be. And I think it's time for us to be a party that lifts everyone up, and I think it's time for us to be a party that stands up aggressively and strongly and clearly and universally in every room and every corner of this state in support of the idea that we are stronger when we welcome everyone, that we are healthier when we are diverse, and that there is absolutely no place in American society for the kind of attacks that we've seen from this president. This is a complicated, thank you. This is a complicated time in Illinois with a governor who has failed, who has harmed vulnerable people across Illinois with, with a budget shutdown that made our state unable to do its core responsibility of providing for the very people on behalf of whom government exists. And we have to respond to that by deciding whether it's enough to just say no or whether it's time to build a new kind of society, whether it's time to build a new politics that stops locking people out and begins to lock everyone in, that stops this idea that if you are born of the right amount of wealth and the right family, if you're of a particular race, then everything's fine, and if you're in a different situation, it's time to roll the dice. And Daniel Biss and I'm running for governor to build a movement to have a state that works for everyone, and it's an honor to be with you this morning. We'll begin with the formal portion of our program where the questions will now be timed. The first question will be with regards to budget. This is the third year in a row that America's fifth most populous state has failed to pass a budget, which is also required by the state constitution. What do you consider the major reasons for the impasse, and how will you get a budget passed? We'll begin with Senator Biss. Thank you. This budget impasse has been really vicious, and I want to be really clear about naming what's happened as we've seen social service providers close down, as universities and community colleges have been under extraordinary stress, as students have left the state of Illinois to seek affordable higher education elsewhere, as immigrants have been left without services, as violence has increased, and as many students have been unable to afford to leave, but also unable to afford to attend community colleges and universities here in Illinois, the consequences have been vicious. So the immediate source of this is very simple. Bruce Rauner is an ideologue. Bruce Rauner has decided that he would use the budget as a tool to obtain leverage to achieve a vicious anti-worker agenda to achieve an ideological agenda that he's never going to get done because the legislature is never going to agree with him, but he's going to take the state down with him as he fails to persuade us to do the wrong thing. That's what's happened in the last few years. When I'm governor, we won't have a governor like that. But let's be honest for a second. That for years before that, we didn't have a budget that was good enough either. We didn't have a budget that was adequate in the way that it supported vulnerable communities. We didn't have a budget that enabled us to fund schools properly in every corner of the state of Illinois. We didn't have a budget that was funded by a tax system that was actually fair and based upon how a modern economy worked. And instead, we did have a budget that overburdened the middle class and the working poor because the wealthy, by virtue of their role in funding the political system, got the set of outcomes that they wanted. 
And so it's not enough only to avoid the aggressive brinkmanship of the Rauner administration. We need to rethink what an appropriate state budget in Illinois looks like. We need to have a budget that is funded by asking the wealthiest to pay their share, something which has not happened for decades. We need to have a budget that invests in educational and economic opportunity in every single corner of the state of Illinois. And we have to have a budget that adequately funds social services for people in need of mental health treatment, substance abuse treatment, immigrant services line item, and more. These things are doable and they're achievable, but they're not achievable with the old system and the old way. It's time for us to re-envision what's possible and build a state that works for all of us. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Hardman. Before answering the question, I, I would like to just say that no human being should be seen as, as an illegal immigrant or an immigrant. We are human beings, period. I just want to put that out there. Okay. With regards to the budget, Mr. Hardman. I just had to say that, though. This is the thing. The reason the budget has not passed and we had the impasse with the budget is because we got these billionaires that continue to run for office, and they're, they're running as a hobby. They're running for more power. They would like to seize control of the state's assets for their personal development. And what's going on, you have a battle of the titans. You got Bruce Rauner who ran on the premise that he was going to shake up Springfield, but the only people he shook up is the working class and poor people of Illinois. He's fighting against, Ron, uh, against Mike Madigan. And Bruce Rauner went on the record and said he was not in charge. So if you're not in charge, why don't you step down and let a real governor step up and pass the budget, okay? Now, the, the way... The way that we can balance the budget here is, first of all, the progressive tax. We need to tax the wealthy according to their income status. We need to pass House Bill 453, which is the financial transaction tax, to raise the revenue to help balance the budget to a degree. We have a pension crisis that's $130 billion. We're spending $25 million a day on it. It's $9 billion a year. We need a, a governor that's going to really lead this state in the right direction and work across both aisles and get the budget passed on time, a balanced budget at that. So the thing is, what's going on here is when you have these, see, voting for these billionaires is going against the grain in regards to everything we're fighting against in America right now. And that's a true story because the reality, a lot of these billionaires, they don't know how it feels to, put, to take money out of your piggy bank to put gas in your car. They don't know people that are receiving food stamps. I know people that receive food stamps here, uh, you know, across the state of Illinois. They don't know how it feels to uh, have your loved one be killed right on 79th and Cottage Grove by gun violence. So when you stop the budget, I just want to say this, when you uh, hold the budget up, a lot of people don't, do not get the services they deserve statewide. And you have high unemployment. You have all kinds of issues taking place. But when you run in the governorship from the top down instead of the bottom up, you cannot identify with the regular people out here. That's another reason why we must say no to these billionaires on all levels. Just say no to them and vote for somebody that comes from the ground level up. Thank you. That's Mr. Point. Kennedy. So the, the budget debacle in the state of Illinois was man-made. It didn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be that way in the future. People ask me what kind of Democrat I am. I say I'm a Kennedy Democrat, a Ted Kennedy Democrat, because Kennedy was the most important man in my life as a child and helped form my worldview. Teddy never believed that compromise was surrender. He had friends on both sides of the aisle. They would rail on him on the Senate floor, and then he'd go back and slap him on the back in the, in the cloakroom, and, and he worked at it. He, it was difficult but he ended up as one of the most successful legislators in American history. 
I don't think that we had a budget impasse in Springfield. I don't think that's an accurate way to describe what occurred. I think Bruce Browner is a libertarian, just like he wears that Carhartt jacket around to disguise himself as a pipe fitter just walked off a construction site to attack the very people he pretends to dress like. So too do I believe that he dressed like a traditional pro-business Republican, but he's a libertarian. He doesn't believe in communal purpose. You look around this room tonight, or this room this morning, so many people are part of big families. The Kennedys believe that government is just an extension of family, of the communal purpose that our families are formed to serve. The early states in the United States, places like Virginia and Massachusetts, they call themselves commonwealths, where everybody came together to create commonwealth for each other. That's what I think the state of Illinois is meant to do. Bruce Rauner doesn't believe in that communal purpose. He doesn't believe in those 800 social service agencies. He doesn't believe that we should help settle people who move here. And instead, he attacks them. And that was the purpose of a budget impasse, so that the state couldn't fulfill its obligations as a communal entity. And that is what we need to return to as a society. Thank you, Mr. Kennedy. We'll take our next question from the floor. Hi, how are you? Um, I'm at Hammett, and I'm from Zakat Foundation of America. So uh, Zakat Foundation of America is an international humanitarian organization that works, uh, uh, operates in over 40 countries, including the United States, where we operate on our social services, provide social services. So my question is, the budget crisis has crippled social services that survive on state funding hurting everything from mental health services, meals on wheels for homebound seniors, to domestic violence support centers. How will you support the organizations that create a safety net for the most vulnerable in Illinois when they are most affected by the failure to pass the budget? Thank you. And we'll begin with Mr. Hardiman. Yeah. Well, we have a part of our 2020 plan, the Hardiman Avery 2020 plan, includes protecting uh, social service providers. I just had a meeting with the uh, child care service providers on the west side of Chicago, and once we pass House Bill 453, which is the financial transaction tax, for those who don't know, that's a, a, a nickel tax on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, Chicago Board of Options, and the Chicago Board of Trade, and it can bring in $3 billion of new revenue to the state of Illinois. And as your governor, I would work with all the members of the General Assembly to lock some funds in to make sure if there's a budget impasse, we, we must continue to fund those much-needed programs out there. That's important. That's why we need a governor that's going to take the bull by the horn and really lead the state. Because too many people are hurting out here. They, they, a lot of people are going out of business because they cannot continue to, to pay their bills. And when you're working with the disability community, you're working in the drug addiction you know, business, you're working with uh, just service providers, you're working on all levels, you need to make sure your funds are there. You cannot worry about if you're going to get paid. Right now, Donald Trump, you know, even though we averted, you know, basically a, a government shutdown for a few weeks, but what happened, the military was not even being paid for a couple of weeks. That's totally unacceptable. Uh, we must take care of the vulnerable populations out here, and it starts with funding all the programs and not, uh, not close down mental health facilities and make sure people have the services they need. And I plan to lock that in as your governor as a funding that cannot be touched. That's what we plan to do, and hopefully that answers your question more directly. Thank you. 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 Thank you
Thank you. Mr. Kennedy. First, let me say thank you. Thank you for the question and also thank you for your service. My wife, Sheila, and I run an anti-hunger program called Top Box Foods. We operate through about 120 different organizations all over Northern Illinois. We've seen what's happened to demand over the last couple of years. As people have been cut out from the support that they were receiving from other social service agencies and now have to turn to us for support. My wife, Sheila, and I do that in part because we believe in Catholic social justice. Catholic social justice is derived from the notion of Abrahamic social justice. And that framework that, that affects everybody in the United States, we are largely the people of Abraham, Muslims, Jews, and Christians. Pope John Paul II, thank you. Let's give it up for Abraham. So we, we, believe, we believe in that notion. John Paul II summarized it best. He said, for the United Nations, dignity is the measure of man, or freedom is the measure of man's greatness. Freedom is the measure of man's dignity. Our role here is to give people greater freedom. But Bruce Rauner has attacked that. He's attacked the 800 social service agencies. The, the end result of that is that the economy of the state of Illinois shrunk. And as it shrunk, average household income jumped 11%. That's nearly impossible to do, to have a shrinking economy and rising household income. There's only one way to do that. You push the poor out of the state. And when we pushed the poor out of the state, it made the rest of us who stayed behind look wealthier. That's immoral in any framework that you can devise. And thank you. And my framework for governance, my framework uh, for my family, my framework for my view of America would never allow me to do that. Put the poor first and everything else will work out. But from a policy perspective, Mr. Kennedy, how will you achieve that? Well, the, the, the policy is, is really the budget. And the budget is a reflection of our values. And the fact that we cut off service to those uh, funding of the 800 social service agencies, that's a reflection of a moral point of view. And to serve the poor, to preserve the option for the poor, we need to fund those uh, social service agencies. And more specifically, we need to restore the American dream, the upward mobility that this country used to offer people who lived here, which means early childhood education, fully funding K through 12 education, making it possible to go to college uh, on a need-blind basis, access to mental health care, access to safe communities. There is a framework, and it works in other states, and unfortunately for us, Bruce Rauner doesn't believe in that communal purpose. Thank you. Senator Biss. Thank you for the work you do. It's sacred work, and as a society, we should honor it by coming together to support it. And instead, as a state, we've done the opposite. So let's ask what's happening here. Well, for the last three years, what's happened is that Bruce Rauner has chosen to use vulnerable people, people in need of social services, and yes, people who work to provide social services as pawns in an unrelated game. And I use the word game intentionally. That's wrong. That's immoral. 
But for years before that, for years before that, as a state, we didn't do what we should to support social services then either. In fact, we saw throughout the Blagojevich administration, we saw cuts to social service providers that were seen as the most politically unprotected participants in our budget. It's fundamentally wrong. It's fundamentally immoral. And what's happening is we have a budget process that's driven by political power and not by community needs. What they want us to believe is that it's impossible to properly fund social services. That's what they keep telling us. Oh, they say, we would love to fund services properly, but we don't have the money. We would love to fund services properly, but the state's broke. My friends, the state of Illinois is not broke. The state government is broke, and the state government is broke because the politicians don't have the guts to build a tax system designed for the modern economy. And so to the direct question, what do we do? We repeal the flat tax provision of the Illinois Constitution, allow us to have an income tax code like our neighbors and ask the wealthy to pay their share. We tax the financial sector that has become a ballooning part of our economy fairly and rationally so that we have a modern tax code that fits the modern economy, and then we will be able to have a budget that is appropriate for the modern society that we live in. All right, Radio Snob family, you're listening to the CIOGC Gubernatorial Candidates Forum, which took place January 27th at the Mecca Center in Willowbrook, Illinois. It's the first time a Muslim organization has been the sole sponsor of a candidates forum in Illinois. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back in just a minute. Assalamu alaikum. Sound Vision is starting a new initiative to provide crisis intervention to those in need. Through the crisis text line, anyone can text 741-741 and be connected via text to a trained crisis counselor who is there to listen and show empathy. The crisis text line is open to everyone. By texting the keyword SALAM, that's S-A-L-A-M, to 741-741, users will be connected to a trained Muslim counselor whenever available. You can also volunteer to undergo training and become a counselor. For more information, visit soundvision.com. Hey, America, we need to have a little talk. We've got more food in our country than we know what to do with. Food at the grocery store and food in the vending machines, fast food, health food, and seafood. We've got so much food that anything people don't buy, we just throw out. Yet 17 million kids in America struggle with hunger. That ain't right. Luckily, the Feeding America Nationwide Network of Food Banks has volunteers gathering excess food and getting it to hungry kids. They're kind of like food angels. Yeah, I made that up. It's kind of catchy. Hello, people. This isn't rocket science. We could solve hunger today. To start, become a food angel yourself by supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. That's a website. Duh. We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. (laughs) 
Welcome back. This is Radio Islam, and I'm your host, Tariq Alami. Thanks for tuning in. We are listening to the CIGC Gubernatorial Candidates Forum, which took place this past Saturday, January 27th, at the Mecca Center in Willowbrook, Illinois. The forum was moderated by Humaira Bassith, Vice Chair of CIGC Civic Engagement Committee, and we're going to pick up where we left off. To round out the budget questions, the residents of Illinois, as Mr. Kennedy alluded to, are moving to other states. And part of the reason for that is the incredibly high property taxes and the tax rates that we're faced with. How do you propose to mitigate this issue while still solving the budget crisis? Let's begin with Mr. Kennedy. So the property tax system in Illinois has become a racket and it is destroying our state. It's robbing us of the ability to fund our schools, to fund community policing, fund mental health care. If you look at what's happening in Cook County, it's also, uh, it's also uh, based on racial outcomes. Communities, even wards, that are primarily uh, made up of people of color are over-assessed and other communities are under-assessed. The large commercial properties downtown are hugely underassessed, and the taxes that they should have properly paid are then spread out over everybody else uh, in Cook County. And that's fundamentally wrong. We preserve that system because a handful of elected officials are property tax appeals lawyers. The Speaker of the House, Mike Madigan, is the most powerful person in the state. In that position of Speaker, where he controls all the legislation, he became head of the, of the Democratic Party of the state of Illinois. From that position, he helped choose the assessor, or the head of the Democratic Party in Cook County. He chose a guy named Joe Berrios. Joe Berrios is the head of the Democratic Party in Cook County, slated himself as the Cook County assessor. And now Mike Madigan appeals assessments to the fellow who he put in as the Cook County assessor. And it works really well. It just should. What they're doing is not illegal, but it should be. It should be. We should ban elected officials from having outside jobs that are adverse to the interests of the body they were elected to serve. That matters because as long as they're making money on this system, they'll never let us evolve to a graduated progressive income tax. They'll never let us do that. We had a supermajority in the House, a supermajority in the state Senate. We controlled the governor's mansion, and as Democrats, we did nothing to fix the broken system in our state. It's because a handful of people make money on that system, and that needs to end. And then we can properly fund our schools, reduce everybody's property taxes, and have a great outcome for our entire economy. Senator Bess. They're never going to let us do anything. We're going to force them to do what we need. That's what has to happen. So, the question is right on target. Our property taxes in Illinois are way too high, unlike neighboring states, unlike almost any other state. In fact, I think New Jersey is, by most measures, the only state that has comparable property taxes to Illinois. And it's for a couple of reasons. The most important, by far, is the way that we fund our schools. The way we fund our schools is with property taxes, more than any other state, even including New Jersey, by the way. Why is that? Because we have this flat tax provision in the Illinois Constitution, which says that 
in the last 40 years, even though almost all the new money has gone to the top, we can't access it with our income tax without also punishing middle class families and the working poor who have not gotten a raise. It's a system that is designed to fail. It is a system that cannot possibly enable us to raise the revenue that we need on the state level to fund our schools properly, and that leaves our school districts scrambling, raising property taxes to sometimes still not even find themselves with adequate revenue. So what's the solution? Repeal the flat tax provision of the Illinois Constitution. Use that to have an income tax code like our neighbors that would enable us as a state to adequately fund schools in every zip code, not just a few places. And then you can significantly, significantly bring down property taxes. Oh, and by the way, I have legislation to clean up the broken assessment system because it's not enough to only decrease property taxes. You have to make sure the assessments are transparent and fair, which today they are not. And all of this is difficult. It's true. And there are people in power who don't want us to do any of it. It's true. And the way that we win this fight is by organizing people to demand a government that works for us. It's not too much to ask. It's not too much to shoot for. It's achievable. It's done in other states. And when I'm governor, we're going to do it here in the state of Illinois. Mr. Hardiman. Yeah, basically, uh, the Hardiman Avery 2020 plan includes pushing for the graduated tax, income tax. So what we're looking at here is putting a freeze on property taxes statewide. We must do that first, put a place a freeze on property taxes. Everybody running for governor, all of a sudden, everybody's concerned about issues of people of color in the state of Illinois. I'm African-American. I've lived everything that everybody's talking about. I've lived this, uh, the mass exodus of African-American people out of Chicago, out of the state of Illinois. We need a governor also that's going to speak up every now and then against the Israeli government and their treatment towards Palestinian people. We really need that, sincerely, sincerely. So back to my plan, instead of property taxes, increasing property taxes, we need a, gradu a graduated tax. Uh, if a person's making 50000 or less, they should be paying 1% to 3% taxes. If you're making $100,000, you should be paying three to six percent. If you're in a two hundred fifty thousand or more bracket, you should be paying six to eight percent. But if you're making a million dollars up to a billion dollars, you should be paying eight to ten percent taxes. So therefore, we don't have to continue to increase property taxes. Chris Kennedy got it right. You got Mike Madigan; he's a property tax appeals lawyer. You got Joe Barrios going around robbing the poor people. You know, overassessing people's houses. People are struggling in Harvey. They're struggling in uh, Riverdale, Dalton. Calumet City, people are being overtaxed and they're moving out of the state of Illinois because of the problems here. So we got a governor, Bruce Rauner, who's standing up there playing this God type of figure with the state budget and he's, he's, he's playing the role of a tyrant really because he can care less about the working class people and that's what we have to get away from. So what Hardiman and Avery plan to do, I'm a progressive Democrat. We plan, and that's the reason we we would like to have people to endorse our campaign. I'm not looking for no endorsements from big time people. I would like for the voters to endorse our campaign. In other words, when I ran for governor in 2014, the polls said we would receive 5% of the state vote. We received 28.1% of the state vote. And together we can make this happen for everybody. Now, we'll take a question from the floor. The hardest working man here today, everyone, Brother Ashad, please give him a hand. He's in charge of keeping our candidates to the timeline. Yes. Uh, hello, candidates. Uh, my name is Ibrahim. I'm from the Mosque Foundation, one of the largest religious institutions 
in the state of Illinois. Uh, my question, because of the uh, budget crisis, certain low-income students have lost access uh, to uh, educational grants, and the cost of tuition uh, in the state of Illinois has increased dramatically. What do you propose uh, to solve this? I, I think if you, if, you, if you look at the state of California, they have a $9 billion, is that right? $6 billion surplus this year. A lot of that credit goes to the current governor of the state of Illinois, Pat, or the state of California, Pat Brown. But the credit really should go to his father. Excuse me. The current governor, whose last day was yesterday, I guess, was Pat, that was Jerry Brown. His father was Pat Brown. Pat Brown in the late 50s, early 60s, recreated the education system in the state of California. He created a university system that was accessible to all. It was supported by research universities, a broad range of colleges, and then community colleges, all of which worked together. If you went to any one of them, you could transfer to all of the others. It gave everybody a, an inexpensive route to a college degree. We don't have that system in Illinois. Anybody should be able to finish college here. Need blind. That means if, if you don't have the money, you should still be accepted and we should support you. You may have to start at a community college. You may have to finish at a community college. But we need to get everyone through university here, uh, if, if that's their chosen path. It matters not just to the kids, but to all of us. When I was in high school and college, when I graduated, we moved to where the jobs were. That's not the way the American economy works anymore. Today, the jobs move to where the highly educated young people are. If we give the world highly educated young people, the world will give us its jobs. That's the formula that works in every other state, and we need to bring it back here to Illinois. Uh, Mr. Hardiman? Yeah, when it comes down to college tuition, what we're looking at right now in Chicago, city colleges are free for people that live in Chicago if they have a certain GPA. So what we would do on a statewide level as far as our policy to move the college industry forward with students is what we would like to do is look at uh, providing free college for college students up until the bachelor's degree level as long as they maintain a certain GPA. That's important. Now, people are going to ask, how, do you, how are you going to pay for it? You pay for it with the progressive tax and, once again, the financial transaction tax, but we also we are interested in legalizing small amounts of uh, marijuana, you know, recreational use of marijuana, and to decriminalize marijuana as well, small amounts, I want to make that clear, so we can raise some revenue, to, and then, as governor, I plan to commute to sentences, okay, I just want to say this, for people that are locked up for marijuana crimes, because we must commute those people's sentences, but the reason I'm saying this is because we're going to raise the revenue, and it's going to be roughly about a billion dollars, roughly, to make sure that we provide free college for students here in the state of Illinois uh, until the bachelor's degree level. So that's how we can remedy that situation. I had to pay a student loan myself many years ago. I had to pay it. And it takes time to pay a student loan back. So grants, I'm interested in that. But I'm also interested in making sure that we keep brilliant students in Illinois so they can join the workforce here in Illinois. And I plan to have staff members uh, from all diverse, a very diverse staff and administration here in Illinois. So hopefully that answers your question. Okay, thank you. All right. I'm going to go to what I call the lightning round. Yes. We're going to take your pulse. Oh, I'm so sorry. I insist you give him a chance. <laughs> I think it would only be fair to do that. Senator Miss. Thank you. We have Even though he was late. <laughs> <laughs> that 
just gave us an opportunity to get to know you more. <laughs> I'll try to answer the question very quickly to make up for my tardiness. Um, we have made a terrible mistake in Illinois with our rising tuition with our massive student debt load. It's simply unworkable for most families. My wife and I had a family of four and we were trying to figure out how to pay for childcare by the time we were done paying off student loans. And the problem's only gotten worse since then. Now, we made a decision as a society 100 years ago. We said that in order to be an equal participant in the economy, people need access to elementary and secondary education. And so we set up a free system of public elementary and secondary education. Now it's 2018. To have equal participation in the economy, we need a higher education. And so we have the same responsibility for the same reasons by the same principles to create access to a free, high-quality, public, higher education. Now. That's going to take time. That's going to take significant changes in our tax system. That's not going to be finished tomorrow. What do we do on the way from here to there? Let's start here. There's legislation <coughs> pending in Springfield right now, right now, to have equal access to all tuition assistance and all grants, regardless of immigration and documentation status. We should pass that bill tomorrow. Let's start there. Let's not have a system where there's bias in terms of who can afford college based upon immigration status. That's completely wrong. I passed legislation this past year, over Bruce Rauner's veto, by the way, to create the strongest student loan bill of rights in Illinois of any state in the country. So at least while we're dealing with our tuition that's too high and student loan burden that's too great, borrowers have some rights and borrowers have opportunities to, be, uh, to have the state of Illinois on their side when they're fighting with some of these loan servicers. And finally, though the goal of free tuition for everyone is a goal that we will not achieve immediately, there are steps along the way that will be life-changing. It is not all that expensive to make community college free. It's not that expensive for the state, but it's life-changing for Illinois families. We ought to do that one quickly. I'm glad we gave him a chance. Okay, I'm just going to break up the, the uh, seriousness, and I'm going to ask you really quick questions here. Mr. Kennedy, how much is a gallon of gas? $2.69. Senator Biss, what is the minimum wage in Illinois? Unfortunately, $8.25 an hour, and unfortunately, way lower if you're a server who's eligible for tips, even though that loophole shouldn't exist either. Mr. Hardiman. What county are you in right now? I live in uh, DuPage County. All right, with that, we'll go to our next floor question from Mecca Center. Hello, good morning. Um, my name is Shereen Hussain, and I'm a board member here at Mecca. Thanks for coming. Um, my question is about gun control. Do you feel our current state gun laws are adequate? How do you intend to stem the flow of guns into those neighborhoods where gun violence is taking a heavy toll? Um, this might be more about um, working with neighboring states. Uh, with regards to gun, um, gun control, do you feel that the current laws that we have on uh, board are adequate? And then how will you uh, work to help those neighborhoods where the flow of guns is impacting them most heavily? We'll begin with Senator Biss. Our gun laws are not adequate in the state of Illinois. And we see that reflected 
and the tragic, tragic gun violence that is a scourge in neighborhoods in much of this state. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. So there are things that we can do on the state level. We ought to pass gun dealer licensing. Right now, we don't have a state level license for gun dealers, so even though we know which suburban gun stores are the source of many guns used to commit violent crimes in the city of Chicago, we can't do anything about it. We finally passed a bill out of the Senate this year to create a license so the state could pull a license from such a store and stop them from selling these guns to people who are not supposed to have access to them. That bill is still stalled in the House. It's time for us to pass that bill. There's more that we ought to do. We came close in the Senate but didn't get all the way there. Couldn't find the votes to ban high-capacity magazines. Think about that. Think about that. We ought to be banning bump stocks and assault rifles. There is more that we ought to do and I have been fighting hard for these changes. I will tell you this, though. The change on these issues is not fundamentally going to come from the Capitol building. The people of Illinois are beginning to change in their attitudes on these issues and are beginning to push for common sense gun safety. And that is beginning to have an impact. But we are just a little bit of the way there. Now, your question is fair, though. There are not impermeable borders to other states. And so we have to work with our congressional delegation and work with neighboring states to enact the same policies because lots of guns that are used to commit crimes in Illinois are purchased in Indiana and Wisconsin. I know that, and I will be working aggressively with our delegation in Washington to do our very best on those issues as well. But let's just end here. The current situation is unacceptable. The kind of hate crimes that the Muslim community in particular is living in fear of are beyond belief. And that's not only a problem for the Muslim community, that needs to be a problem that every single human being in this country works every single day to address. You can always count on me. Always count on me. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Hardiman. Yes, I'm also T.O. Harmon, the former director of Ceasefire Illinois. It's a proven public health model that gets results in reducing you know, you know, situations of gun violence. I would like to say that there's a House bill right on, out there now, House Bill 271. That's the ammunition coding bill in which you, know, you can have ammunition where you can code it so you know where the bullets came from. But a lot of times, I just want to say this, I want to go on the record and say this. The real problem in Illinois is the illegal gun trade. So as the governor, I would work, I would set up a task force to work with the state police and the ATF to make sure we intercept more of the illegal gun trade because that's where the problem is at right there. The legal gun owners are not part of the gun violence problem in Illinois. There's no data to back up the fact that legal gun owners are part of the problem. Now some of these gun stores, I've marched in front of Chuck's gun, gun shop out in the south suburbs. I've marched against gun violence all my life. But we as a people, as a culture, uh, like I said, I have experience in this particular field, okay? So the reality is we must get out of response mode. Everybody's in response mode when it comes to gun violence. Over 85% of the killings that occur in Chicago occur in the African-American community, and statewide it's the African-American community. Number one solution to stopping the killings in Chicago right now is African-American men must unify like never before and address their issues in their community. That's number one. I just have to tell you, because if it was happening in any other community, the people in the community, the men in that community would unify and address that issue. That's what we plan to do. And when, once I become governor, I plan to uh, command an audience with all, <clears throat> excuse me, 
with all of these young guys in Chicago, roll our sleeves up and go to work and reduce gun violence by 60%. Okay. I just want to make that clear. I still have a few seconds. <laughs> Clearly, we know who the timekeeper is. I'm looking. I'm looking at the. I'm looking at the timekeeper. So, so I do support the Second Amendment, but remember, it's the illegal gun trafficking that we have to stop immediately here in Illinois. Thank you, Mr. Kennedy. I think the the reality is that violence that can happen everywhere will eventually happen everywhere. And none of us is safe. That's the story of the Kennedy family, and it's the story of too many people who live in Chicago and in other communities around Illinois. We know what to do. We know how to fix the problem. And yet we don't. We know that we should license dealers, that we should ban bump stocks, that we should ban high-capacity magazines, that we should close the gun show loophole, that we should interdict more guns coming out of Indiana, Kentucky, and Wisconsin. We know that we should end straw purchases. We know that the gun trains need greater security when they're parked in our communities so that the gangs don't hit them and release guns into the community again. The Democratic Party has responsibility in this area, though. Repeatedly, repeatedly, we passed or half-passed legislation and failed to get it done. We passed messaging votes. Oh, we almost passed the bump stock ban. If you just gave us a little bit more money, elected one or two more Democrats, we'll get it done for you the next time. How can the Democrats, which had a supermajority in the House, a supermajority in the Senate, control the governor's mansion, never have done anything about the scourge of gun violence in the state of Illinois? We need to look at ourselves, and we need leadership that's going to take us to a different place because it doesn't have to be like that. We know how to end violence. We know, as T.O. showed us, how to interrupt it once it begins. We know how to divert kids at a certain age, a certain time of day, away from a life of violence. We know how to treat kids who uh, are suffering from PTSD, who need social-emotional learning in school. And we know that, most importantly, opportunity is the enemy of violence, and economic oppression is its partner in crime. We need to address all those issues, and then we can reduce the homicide rate in our state. Thank you, Mr. Kennedy. The next question. What solutions do you propose to decrease the disproportionate incarceration rate of African Americans and increase employment opportunities? Before we close out, let's hear a few thoughts from CLGC Executive Director Abdullah Mitchell who shared with us after the forum had concluded. Which includes converting some of these minimum security penitentiaries what is your assessment of, of, the, of the whole event now that, now that we've come through it? Now that we've come through it, I'm, I, I, it was a success. I think what happened is we were able to convey to the candidates who the Muslim community is, our talents, expertise, and knowledge, and what we actually bring to the table in being a partner in making the state of Illinois better. And then from the candidates' point of view, we got a chance to learn their positions about the budget, pension reform, uh, uh, violence in the city of Chicago. So it, it, I, it was a win-win situation. Now, uh, we had three candidates uh, that did, uh, that uh, the RSVP showed up. Uh, we had uh, Senator uh, Daniel Biss, um, Chris Kennedy, uh, uh, 
of, of the historic Kennedy family, uh, formerly, uh, I think he ran the Merchandise Mart uh, yes. for many years, uh, and uh, T.O. Hardiman yes. of, uh, of Ceasefire. Yes. Uh, but we had those three come. Do you feel like people got a, a better sense of who these three individuals are? Um, because there was a lot of agreement, but there were some moments of, I think, of distinction uh, that, that was uh, displayed today. Do you feel like folks got a good idea of who, who these three are? I, no, no question about it. I think even over and above learning more about the candidates, I think it gave us an opportunity to learn more about what the issues are as these candidates see for Illinois. That gives us some further food for thought that we can go back in our meetings and gatherings to further analyze this and to crystallize our position and, and, and invite them a response to those new positions that we've taken, or refined positions, I should say, that we're taking. So I felt that the discussion was helpful, even though there was a, a level of agreement, because once again, if it's if you're asking if the street is black and the street is black, the street is black. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, Radio Sound family, what I want you to remember, also all to remember, especially those of us in the Chicagoland area, that we are a constituency that is over 400,000. Uh, and I think today was as much a testament about uh, candidates recognizing that, uh, that there is a, a power within that voting block, as it was uh, an opportunity for us to also get to know them. So, alhamdulillah, keep up the great work. Anything you want to, uh, uh, any last message for the Radio, Radio Islam family? I want the Radio Islam family to keep their ears to your show because <laughs> the next move we make, they're going to know. All right, good stuff. Thank All you. Right. Asalaamu alaykum. Asalaamu alaykum. All right, Radio Islam family. We are out of time, but if you would like to hear the forum in its entirety, you can find it wherever you get your podcast. This program was produced, recorded, and engineered by Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. The views expressed by the host and our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of Sound Vision Inc. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Radio Islam. And now we leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum, and the peace that only God can give be upon you.